welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Kara Richardson-Whiteley knew she could reach the summit of Mount Kilimanjaro. She'd done it once before, but she failed in a second attempt, struggled with food addiction, and looked for ways to cope with feelings of failure and shame. Her weight shot to more than 300 pounds. Deep in her personal gorge, Whiteley decided the only way out was up. She resolved to climb the mountain again, and this time she would reach the summit, and she would do it without waiting for her plus-size status to disappear. The book, Gorge, My Journey Up Kilimanjaro at 300 Pounds, is the story of her ascent from the depths of self-doubt to the top of the world. Kara Richardson-Whiteley is coming to Utah for an event at REI Salt Lake City. That's on Thursday, May 14th from 7 to 8 p.m., and she's joining us for uh, Access Utah today. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you uh, coming on. Uh, you're a journalist. Uh, you've written for Self, Every Day with Rachel Ray, Runners World Magazines, other publications, National American Heart Association, Lifestyle Change Ambassador, and Motivational Speaker. Uh, appreciate you uh, coming on. Um, by the way, when you're here, you're going to do some hiking. We've got, the, of course, the, the great national parks here in Utah. Oh, you bet. You bet. I wouldn't miss it. <laughs> my my hiking boots will be what takes up the most room in my suitcase. Very good. Very good. Uh, by the way, um, are there parts of the country, as you've traveled around, battle weight issues more than others, do you think? Or is it uh, pretty much all over America? Well, I think it's all over America, and everybody faces their own battle, but... Um, Certainly, I mean, I think the statistics show that the South is really struggling with it, and um, states where there's more active opportunities um, I tend to do a little better in the statistics, but, um, you know, part of the challenge is finding a comfortable and welcoming space for um, for people to be active and exercise. That's one of the reasons why uh, this year, while I'm uh, doing this national book tour, I'm also serving as an American Hiking Society ambassador, trying to get people to get out on the trails and be active wherever they are. By the way, that's uh, AmericanHiking.org. And we can put in a plug for, is it uh, National Trails Day? That's on June 6th, I believe. That's right. June 6th, I'll be in Washington, D.C. to celebrate with the folks there. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, so uh, I w- you've, you've said there's some statistical evidence to back up what uh, I was thinking. Just my theory would be that maybe in the West, perhaps we do a little better because we have a lot of opportunities to go get out and hike. But you say it's just marginal, I guess. Yeah, and I think there's there's so many factors when it comes to obesity, and I really do think, as somebody who's struggled it, with it for decades, that um, the practitioners don't, they still don't have it right. I mean, if they did, then two-thirds of the United States wouldn't be struggling with weight right now. Um, and there's also socioeconomic factors to it as well, um, you know, the the fact that produce is, is often more expensive, Um And I'll tell you, I mean, I I now have a community garden plot in my home in Summit, New Jersey, and my grocery bill is sizably less in the summertime when the good stuff is, is, you know, growing um, than in the wintertime when when, um, it's too cold to grow stuff. So, I mean, there's so many different factors and what's available to people and what's not. But um, even more than that, I think that, for me personally, in my weight journey, and for a lot of people who struggle with weight, there is this issue, this internal battle that goes on. And in Gorge, I really try to show the human experience of compulsive overeating or binge eating disorder, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. people who eat when they're not hungry, um, 
there there is an internal battle that goes on inside of you um, that is that is really difficult to overcome. Yeah, you uh, on a blog post, uh, and by the way, you can go to the website, which is Kara uh, Richardson dot com. Um, you you wrote this, uh, and this really resonated with me, and I'm sure a lot of people. You say that. Uh, a memoir is a series of woven stories to tell a st- snapshot of time. Gorge, your book, you say, focuses squarely on my third Kilimanjaro trek and my relationship with food. Relationship with food, that's, <laughs> it, it It does seem like a relationship, doesn't it? And, and for, for a <laughs> lot does. of us, food is in control. It does, and it, you know, and the thing about um, compulsive overeating or, again, managing an, uh, an eating issue is that you have to deal with food every single day. I mean, you can't quit at cold turkey. You can't. Uh, like uh, alcohol or smoking, and not that those battles are any easier, and I don't mean to say that, but it is something that um, I need to walk with every single day. I need to figure out how to manage my life with food in a healthy relationship. Uh, By the way, uh, my producer just sent some statistics through to me. Uh, According to Gallup Healthway's Wellbeing Index, Seven of ten states with the highest obesity rates are in the South, as you mentioned. Mississippi is the highest, and uh, residents in Mountain West least likely to tip the scales too much. Four of the ten states with the lowest obesity rates, Montana, Colorado, Nevada, and New Mexico, are in the Mountain West. We'll have to, we'll have to look up Utah, see how we're doing here. Um, I, I wonder, um, t- tell me about the, that first hike up uh, Kilimanjaro. Tell me first, Kilimanjaro is a good place to go if you don't have technical climbing skills because it, it's, I believe it's the highest peak where you can, just, you can hike to. Right. It's the high, well, it's no, it's no walk in the park. Let's just put that on the table. Okay. <laughs> you know, it is um, more than 19,000 feet. And so at the top of the mountain, um, there's half as much oxygen in the air as there is at sea level. Um, maybe people in um, Utah might fare a little better because you know, some people might be living at higher altitudes. But um, that in itself is a challenge for the fittest hiker out there. Um, and also, you don't know how the altitude will treat you. Someone who was on my last trek with me um, didn't make it, and she went on to be an Iron Iron Man or Iron Woman. Wow! <laughs> uh, really? So you know, it's a it's a great equalizer. But I started um, hiking Kilimanjaro. Uh, my first of three climbs was when I had lost 120 pounds, and I used hiking as a tool or a mechanism to really kind of get out there and push myself to the next level and the next level. So I did everything from, uh, you know, Great Hike and, and Bryce and Zion uh, and the Grand Canyon. Um, and then I moved on to this this iconic peak of Kilimanjaro. But um, a year after I took on that goal, I got pregnant. And a lot of, like a lot of women who struggle with weight, I gained more than half of the weight back. And so I went from this person who was just identified as someone who was losing weight and a great mountain climber to someone who could barely walk across the living room without screeching pain from sciatica. And, of course, the shame of having putting, put on way more than baby weight. So I was really depressed for a long time, and um, I thought by treading the same ground with the second climb would be enough that I would be back in that place of wellness and health but in the second climb, I really took myself for granted, and I took the mountain for granted, and I failed miserably. And I even binged the night before that second mm. climb. And um, as you can imagine, it didn't go well, and I write about that experience in Gorge. 
So the third time was about kind of getting over it and doing the work that I needed to do to get beyond my issues with food, get beyond the emotional experiences that have held me back over the years, and to move forward from there. So imagine at least part of the reason you're tackling this this difficult climb uh, it said best in the, in the epigraph. You, you quote Sir Edmund Hillary, it's not the mountain we conquer but ourselves. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and really, um, when it comes to some kind of compulsive disorder, you know, eating or whatever, I mean, there, it's almost a way of working against yourself, you know. The more I ate, the worse I felt. The worse I felt, the more I ate. And so it became this cyclical thing. And so especially when I... Um, when I had my daughter and I was kind of in the throes of compulsive overeating, I felt miserable and I felt like I couldn't do what I used to do when I lost weight. I felt also that I was letting her down by um, by covering up my feelings and I certainly wasn't going to teach her anything if I continued on that path of self-destruction. Here's what you write about that uh, first climb. You're celebrating losing 120 pounds. Uh, spend a year resisting carbs, starting each day with two-hour workout. And you, you want to say um, that uh, you're feeling your strongest and most in control. People who uh, knew you at your fattest called you skinny. Men held doors open for you. You felt radiant. It is very much tied in with self-image and emotion, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And um, another reason why I took on Kilimanjaro is that there was such um I wish I could. Uh, I wish I could understand why we focus so much on people's weight and how people really feel like they have to make a comment when someone's losing weight. And for me, I used fat to shield myself from so many bad things. I mean, I started using food when I was about nine years old, and my parents were fighting, and it would kind of drown out the screaming that was happening in the next room. And then when I was um, sexually assaulted as a as a 12 year old you know and it just grew from there so to lose weight and to take a healthier path um i was shedding this barrier of weight that separated me from the outside world i guess you could say and so it was really uncomfortable when people would come up to me and say hey skinny and what are you doing or did you have the surgery or are you using south beach which was which was really hot at the time and so I wanted to change the conversation of of that. And so I took on Kilimanjaro also as a fundraiser for Global Alliance for Africa, which is a um, a charity based in um, Chicago, Illinois. And so I could, instead of them going on and on about, oh, did you work out today or what did you eat or what are you eating, and people really um, – asking all this little minutia about what I was putting in my mouth and what I was doing with my life, I could say, oh, yeah, I'm climbing Kilimanjaro, and here's how you can donate to this great cause. That's interesting. I want to follow up with that um, weight or, or fat as a barrier. How, how, how so? What, what, how, how does that act as a barrier? Well, of course, it's, um, <laughs> it's a physical barrier yeah. in that... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the heavier you are, the harder it is to do anything, um, I, I, you know, in most things anyway, um, from tying your shoes to um, taking a walk. There is that added level of um, strain or stress on yourself or your psyche to go out and do something. Um, 
So that there's that physical barrier, but then there's also a barrier uh, for me again as as someone who was a survivor of um, sexual assault. It was a barrier from feeling attractive as well uh, from men. I didn't want that to happen again. I mean, in retrospect, I can I can say that's probably why I I did what I did to myself, but. Um, it is a barrier, in, an emotional barrier as well. Tell me a little bit about uh, how this morphs into, for some people, I guess including you, into compulsive overeating and, and food addiction. Um, well, for me, since I had started at such a young age and I had used it for everything in between, every little disappointment, uh, you know, living with a single mom and not being able to afford what other folks in our community could afford, um, and and then I would, you know, go to the the Freidhofer's outlet or, you know, the bakery outlet and get the ten for a dollar special and just binge all the way through. So it became this kind of everyday comfort or shield from what was really going on. And so it just built out from there and then it became, you know, acceptable for me to eat uh a certain way. I shouldn't say an acceptable thing. It was it was a pattern. And I even find that in myself as an adult, if I'm doing really well, my grocery cart looks a lot different than when I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. And you start to buy the same kinds of things when you're, you know, same kind of processed things when you're not doing well with food. And then for me, when I am doing well, I'm trying new fresh vegetables and things. But these things become a pattern in our lives of coping and our routines and what we're comfortable with. And so for me to uh, get out of the habit of compulsive overeating, I have to become uncomfortable. I have to sit with emotions. I have to feel what I'm feeling for better or worse because there's, you know, if you shield out the bad stuff, then you also shield out the good stuff too. Let's take a break. We'll have more with Kara Richardson-Whiteley when we come back. I want to follow up with that. Uh, And you say at the end of your book that you're you're now making those conscious decisions of what from your past you're going to carry and what not, and that's that's tied up in this very much. Talk about fat shaming as well. Um, And uh, Kara Richardson-Whiteley says she has a favorite scene from... uh, from uh, it's a rap scene from 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 me. I, I wouldn't have guessed that, but the, so let's talk about that as we when we come back. Kara Richardson Whiteley's book is Gorge: My Journey Up Kilimanjaro at 300 Pounds. It's the story of her ascent from the depths of self-doubt to the top of the world. She's coming to Utah for an event with REI Salt Lake City. That's on Thursday, May 14th, from 7 to 8 p.m. in Salt Lake City. More following the break. Hi, it's Lynn Rosetto Casper. This week, we're looking at how we learn to taste. Our guide is Hobie Wedler, a man blind since birth who teaches the sighted how to taste wine. Aromas and flavors are heightened when he turns out the lights and ties on the blindfolds. Join us. That's this week on The Splendid Table from APM. Tuesday morning at 10 on Utah Public Radio. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and the USU Partners in Business Leadership Conference, featuring keynote speaker Andrea Thomas, Senior Vice President of Sustainability for Walmart U.S. Thursday, March 26th at the USU Eccles Conference Center. Details at partners.usu.edu. 
Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking with Kara Richardson-Whiteley. She says she knew she could reach the summit of Mount Kilimanjaro. She'd done it once before. She failed in a second attempt and struggled with food addiction, looked for ways to cope with feelings of failure and shame, and her weight shot up to more than 300 pounds. Deep in her personal gorge, Whiteley decided the only way out was up, and she resolved to climb the mountain again. This time, she would reach the summit. She would do it without waiting for her plus-size status to disappear. The book is Gorge, My Journey Up Kilimanjaro at 300 Pounds. Kara Richardson-Whiteley is coming to Utah for an event at REI Salt Lake City. That's Thursday, May 14th at 7 o'clock. And we have her for the hour. If you'd like to join this conversation, maybe you have a story you'd like to share. It's 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. You can join us at upraxcess at gmail.com, and we're on Twitter at Utah Public Radio. And it uh, looks like uh, we looked up Utah. Utah comes in 49th for obesity, so I guess we're doing, we're doing pretty good. But uh, the fact remains that uh, two-thirds of Americans are overweight or obese. Many of us deal with the issues we're talking about uh, today. So, Kara Richardson, uh, Whiteley, I do want to talk about this uh, blog post. By the way, you find this at uh, kararichardsonwhiteley.com, where you mentioned that uh, one of the one of your favorite scenes from movies is the final scene from 8 Mile. This is this is Eminem. Tell, tell us about this scene. Oh, yeah. I, I think what was cool about that scene and why I blogged about it was that um, it, it was about Eminem kind of owning who he was. And the way he was victorious was by owning his past. You know, yeah, he lives with his mom in the trailer. And yeah, you know, these these guys who he was competing against beat up his 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 friend and he kind of owned his truth and that's where he was victorious and for me i i spent a while after the climb thinking well i'm <laughs> you know i was in this this mentality again thinking well i i need to lose more weight for me to write this story because who's going to want to read a book about a person who's fat, hike the mountain while she's fat, and it is still somewhat fat. <laughs> so I had to really um, put myself in the shoes that, you know, the two-thirds of the Americans struggle with this, and they're going to get it. They're going to understand that this is a real struggle. And as long as I told my story with truth, um, with bravery, that people would relate to it and find some kind of healing and um, understanding from it. What has the reaction been? I'm sorry? What, what has what the, has the reaction, reaction been? Yeah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reaction's been great. Um, from, I think, the <laughs> the biggest kudos that I could have possibly asked for or wished for was from my mentor, um, the author of Wild, um, Cheryl Strayed. I um, was accepted to a program with her in the French Alps uh, last summer, which is where I finished the book. And, um, you know, she gave a beautiful, glowing comment, a blurb for the, the cover of the book. And that has meant the world to me because I've admired her from the moment that I read Wild and the bravery that she brought to the page. And I knew if I was going to tell my story, I had to put it all on the table as well. I needed to write um, from my heart and and, and, and from my gut <laughs> as well. So um, that's probably the highest um, remark. And then the other, the other um, thing that I've loved and and if you go on goodreads 
Facebook.com, uh, you can see a lot of women uh, writing their reactions to reading the galleys of the books before it came out. And what they loved about it was that it didn't end with a 100-pound weight loss or some giant biggest loser kind of moment, that it was an honest story with an honest ending, um, that this is, this is something I walk with every day, I try to work with it every day, and I do the best that I can. Um, and that's, that's been great. That's been a really great, um, great ending for, for me. <laughs> There, you you say there are a lot of fat shamers out there. Have you have you experienced experienced that? Uh, sh- sure, sure. Uh, even on um, on the mountain, <laughs> mm-hmm. there were um, uh, when I was on on Kilimanjaro this last time. Um, even the porters were betting against me. Hmm. Um, they, I caught them the night before. I, I was in my tent and I could hear them laughing and I could hear them saying. My um, nickname, which was Mama Kubwa in Swahili, that means big woman. And so I've known from decades of bullies and fat shamers and whatever, I know the sound of people making fun of me. Um, and, and it was hurtful, and it was really, really hard. And so I had to, on the mountain, I had to confront that because there was no food separating with how I felt. Um, and I needed these guides to know to take me seriously. And so I had to say something. I had to say, you know, I, I heard you, you know, were you betting on me? Which they were. They were They were thinking that I wasn't going to make it to the top. And I had to tell them, you know, you need to be betting on me. Hmm. And, and that was um, probably the most powerful turning point for me, where I took what was an a really uncomfortable situation and dealt with it on the spot. Um, and for someone who struggled with their weight so long, I, you know, oftentimes I would just swallow that. I would just take it in and feel awful and and just kind of go from there instead of feeling powerful in that moment. Is that the best way to handle that and confront it? I, I think so. Mm-hmm. I You know, I, especially when, when Kilimanjaro is such a, an arduous task that you want to feel powerful in your own footsteps. You don't want to feel like, well, these guys don't think I'm going to make it up the mountain, so am I going to make it up the mountain? You know, you need if they're your team, you want them to be on your side. And um, I, I really felt that in that particular uh, situation, it was it was the important thing to do. Oh, but you, I mean, you can see fat shaming everywhere now. Mm-hmm. I mean. Kelly Clarkson had a beautiful daughter, and she has an amazing voice. And yet the only thing people can talk about right now is her weight. I mean, that's how ridiculous is that? It's, it just is, it, it's kind of upsetting that, you know, this is the thing that people have to just keep cycling through the news, uh, you know, how bad, you know, how, how much weight she gained when she was, when she was pregnant. And, and I wish they would change the conversation of, hey, she's got this great new album out and she's doing fantastic. Is that, is that an indication, I don't know, that uh, at least in our society we're, we seem to be obsessed with weight. We seem to be obsessed with, yeah. you know, body image and... Uh, and uh, therefore, we kind of get into each other's faces about it. I mean, you need, that's true. That's you know? true. I mean, I I, I don't know. I, but I, at the same time, I I do. I'm starting to see a, a shift in um, plus size role models, people who are who are doing well. You know, actresses like Rebel 
uh, we think it's Rebel Wilson or Melissa McCarthy. And so you're starting to see more people plus-sized um, uh, in, in, in acting roles, and um, I, I think that's great. Or also popular singers as well, like Megan Trainer, um, standing up and just saying, hey, I'm plus-sized, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> what, what about the intersection of, of weight and health? Because some people, I don't know how many of them, when they make remarks, maybe they're coming at it from a point of view of trying to be helpful. comes out wrong, perhaps, but, uh, you know, for example, the... You know these celebrities you you just mentioned. Um, I suppose we want them to be healthy, mm-hmm. and and are yeah. And and I think that that's um, I think that there there may be some to that. And even my own husband has to tread lightly when it comes to the topic of weight. We were just on Good Morning America on the um, the the topic of of weight and marriage, and that we've learned to kind of understand when. Um, when we need to talk about it and where, how to support each other, because you know he's he's gotten it wrong and I've gotten it wrong over our decade, more than decade of being together. Like when he gave me a weight loss book for my birthday, that was a bad move, well, hands down. <laughs> but when I was um, struggling your... again this fall, um, you know, I wasn't I wasn't all in, but I knew I was kind of I was over busy. I was working full time. I'm a mom of two kids and I was finishing, I was doing the copy edits of my book and I was just overwhelmed and I could see myself turning towards food. Um, I could see myself kind of going down in that direction. And I was able to say to him, like, I need, I need a break. I need help. I need to do something here. And, um, he didn't, you know, just say, Oh, buck up, get on the treadmill. (laughs) He said, okay, what can we do? So um, I do understand that, you know, a lot of times um, the concern overall is health. But fat shaming has proven again and again when when we're talking about shaming or um, just pointing out that people, hey, you're fat and you need to do something about it, has the opposite effect. Mm -hmm. And in fact, you know, compulsive overeating is often driven by depression or low self-esteem and so that worsens the situation and and can have the opposite effect of of health just joined us we're talking with kara richardson whiteley who has summited mount kilimanjaro twice it's nineteen thousand feet it's uh, no walk in the park Uh, this is a great challenge and her book is called gorge my journey up kilimanjaro at 300 pounds uh, she's coming to uh, Utah for an event at REI Salt Lake City. That's on Thursday, May 14th from 7 to 8 p.m. And she's with us uh, for the hour. You can join us at 1-800-826-1495. Our email is upraxis at gmail.com. And we're on Twitter at Utah Public Radio. As we've been mentioning, so much of the foundation for, for weight issues is is emotional and its issues perhaps we have not worked through. You you wrote very movingly recently about your father on, on your on your website and your blog, who, by the way, I think it died very recently, so sorry for your loss there. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, he um he passed away on, on Wednesday after um being quite sick. So, um, you know, I uh my father and I have a very complicated history. I, I loved him very, very, very much. Um, definitely, I was a daddy's girl. And um, I think that 
one of the things that was so painful about him not being in my life after my parents divorced and not being uh, on the sidelines of the soccer games or anything that I was in in school was because I loved him so much. And for years and years and years, I just kind of carried this resentment and anger and resentment and anger and just that's, you know, it was hard. I mean, I, I had a, you know, off and on relationship with my dad where he would call or I would call him, but months could go by from, you know, when I heard from him. But when I wrote Gorge and I really uh, processed, I also went by taking the mountain climb itself, what I realized was that the reason why it was so hurtful was because of that love. And so if I could approach it from um, the point of view of love, that this is why it is so deep and so moving and powerful to me, and I could move forward from that point, um, you know, that not that it would be better and not that it would solve the past, but at least... I could I could feel that emotion and that love and that beautiful experience that um, that I could still have for him when he was on this planet and so that was a really healing healing thing for me to go through. So, what was the key factor do you think for you in in coming now coming at least starting to coming to terms with with some of these issues in your life? Is it setting challenges like Kilimanjaro? Is it riding through it? What what would you suggest for others? Well, on a day-to-day basis, victories for me are the small, integral choices. Um, They are things like on Sunday, I took my girls to Family Slim. And, of course, that requires me being in a bathing suit (laughs) in front of other people. But I'm going to make that healthy choice for for my girls. Um, And so they have time in the pool, and they can be active, and I'll be active. And we're all having fun instead of just sitting in front of the television um, and also it's, uh, for example, this week has been enormously difficult since my father passed. And, you know, the fact that I didn't in- annihilate a bag of tortilla chips is, is a win. I'm going to call that a win mm-hmm. for today, you know. So every day there's a different scale of victory uh, for me. And, of course, you know, I hope to move on to lots of other mountains. Machu Picchu is one for sure that I'd want to take on. Um, but I want hiking to be something that comes naturally to me and to my family and to instill that into my into my family life. I, I imagine you think quite a bit about, you know, the victories you're having and how that's going to affect your daughters. Your, your, I wonder if you talk a bit about that, what, what you hope for your daughters going forward. Yeah, I absolutely um, hope that these little victories add up to them being strong little women themselves. Um, I try to make sure that they're active. Um, My youngest is only two, so she has a limited capacity for organized sports at this point. But, you know, she loves being in the water, and she loves to run around and and, um, to to be active. When we were um, in the French Alps uh, this past summer, you know, we took them on hikes that most kids probably would tucker out in the first few minutes, but they really um, did a great job hiking on the mountains and things like that. So I want them to see that there's strength in their steps and that they get to choose the direction that they head. And you've been talking about uh, keeping active. I guess that's one key for for weight control. We talked about emotional issues as well. I wonder on the 
you know, a lot of us jump into diets, and, and for a lot of us, it's not successful. I wonder what you have tried, and, and have you had success with any, any one thing? Yeah, um, you know, I think that... Um, I think that I have had success with um, certain programs in the past, and then I go off track. For example, Weight Watchers is a is a program that I've had great success with, but then for some reason I veered off the path. And I found myself, especially um, recently, um, I've been trying a lot of recipes from Weight Watchers magazine and, and, and all sorts of all sorts of like healthy cookbooks and I'm thinking to myself, oh, well, maybe I could try Weight Watchers again and maybe I could, maybe maybe it's time for that. Maybe I'm ready to shed a few more pounds. Um, but it's it's really kind of where you are at the time and what it feels comfortable and that you're able to do. Um, part of it is that, you know, my youngest is now two and so she can play independently, and that makes a huge difference in meal preparation time. And she actually likes to help stir things and, and things. Instead of having to hold a baby all the time, it really hampers your ability to cook healthy sometimes because, you know, you can't chop with a, a newborn baby mm-hmm. in your hands. That's certainly ill-advised. But um, I guess what I'm saying is that uh, for everyone, there is some kind of healthy move that they can make um, whether it's starting a, a produce garden, whether it's starting a weight loss program like Weight Watchers, um, for every stage of your life, there is something that you can do to kind of maybe take it to the next step. Let's take another break. We'll come back. But I'll, I'll, and I, should, yes, I should also say that um, I do find that, um, you know, especially after examining my relationship with food, that I do find that my relationships with food to sugar is is particularly toxic. I'm not someone who's deleted sugars from my life, but I do notice um, the insatiable insatiable kind of relationship that I have with them and refined carbs. So I have to be very careful when they're in my house, and I have to be just mindful about what the reaction will be with my body. And usually that reaction is, oh, I'll have another, please. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true, isn't it? Sugar and carbs are very addictive. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I know there's science to prove that, but I I just know personally. Some people do great with them. You know, they can have a pie in their house for a week. Um, That's a lot harder for me to to accomplish. That brings up another point before we go to break. I think some people, um, would, you know, look at a person who's overweight, and, uh, and especially if that person who's having these thoughts is not overweight, and they may tend to think willpower. Why can't that mm-hmm. fat person just will themselves to, you know, to lower weight to health? Right. And I, I think what... One of the main things that I hope people get out of Gorge is an understanding of the human experience of compulsive overeating. So whether it's somebody who is fighting that fight or in that battle of eating issues or just eating when they're not hungry, um, they might know, hey, I'm not the only one who goes through this. But also for people who don't get it, you know, why are all these people so fat, you know, maybe they'll see a story of someone who's gone through it and might understand, oh, you know, everyone walks with their own baggage. (laughs) Everyone is more than just eat less, move more. 
there's there's way more of a story behind it and complicating factors that make it difficult to do it. I mean, even, again, even when I was on the mountain, people were betting against me. And so um, for plus-size people everywhere, they're often bet against when they go to the gym or when they um, go grocery shopping for healthy food items. People are often judging. I had a friend who took a picture of an obese person's shopping cart. To, mm. to make a point and mm. post it on, on Facebook, and I was kind of horrified that that's you know that's this is the way that people view people who are overweight and they don't kind of see the other side or have some kind of compassion on, or understanding of what they might actually be going through at that mm. moment. Yeah, I've, I've seen that kind of thing as well. Let's take a break, and we'll come back more with uh, Kara Richardson Whiteley. Uh, her book is Gorge, My Journey Up Kilimanjaro at 300 Pounds. Uh, she's coming to Utah. It's in May, uh, an event at REI Salt Lake City, May 14th, 7 to 8 p.m. More after the break. This is Randy Watts bringing more to life. Will you be a caregiver? For the first time, adult couples have more parents than children. How do you prepare for this new role? Communication is key to success in any job. The role of a caretaker is no exception. Begin with your parents' wishes. Talk to them about personal goals, housing, legal, financial, and medical decisions. Some of these conversations may be easy. Some will be difficult. Start the conversation now to bring more to their lives. Support for Bringing More to Life on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our listeners and the Sunshine Terrace Foundation in Logan. Advancing wellness, independence, dignity, and comfort. Information at sunshineterrace.com. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and USU Dining Services. Proud sponsor and facilitator of the Chef Cook-Off and fundraiser Spice on Ice, featuring USU's culinary team, as well as chefs from around the valley, Tuesday, March 24th. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. My guest for the hour is Kara Richardson-Whiteley. Her book is Gorge, My Journey Up Kilimanjaro at 300 Pounds. She's coming to Utah for an event at REI, rather Salt Lake City. That's on Thursday, May 14th from 7 to 8 p.m. Kara Richardson-Whiteley is a journalist. She's also National American Heart Association Lifestyle Change Ambassador. She's a motivational speaker and, of course, author. And we have another 10 minutes uh, in the program. If you'd like to join us, it's 1-800-826-1495. Toll free anywhere you're listening. Our email is upraxcess at gmail.com. And we're on Twitter at Utah Public Radio. Love to hear your story if you'd like to to share that. Uh, so I'd uh, like to uh, get back maybe a little more in depth on your that third journey up Kilimanjaro. Starting with, this was an interesting contrast, you talk about your friend Sally. And her size was a potential barrier, kind of a stereotyping there, except it's uh, she's petite. Right. That's a potential problem. <laughs> she was, she was uh, you know, short, and so people were constantly underestimating her because she was small. 
Um, and so, I, well, it serves her well in her, her journalism career because she's a television journalist. Um, you know, she was often overlooked as a, as a champion or a contender when it came to the triathlons that she wanted to do. And um, so, but she was a great um, person to have along for the journey as well. So how, how long does it take to get, how long did it take you to get up uh, Kilimanjaro? Well, I have always taken the Rongai route, which is on the Kenya side of the mountain, and that particular hike is five and a half days up and one and a half days down. And the reason why it takes so long to go up is, you know, it's harder to hike up a mountain than down a mountain, but um, you go slowly, almost like a wedding march pace to acclimatize better. Um, I think that the top of Kilimanjaro is slightly lower than base camp on Everest. But when people are going to be going to hike Everest, they take as long as two weeks to get to that level because they're going to live there for a couple weeks or months or however long it takes for them to to get to the summit of Everest. So um, anyway, it's 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 a it's an arduous journey um, to take on in five and a half days. Your your body really has to get used to the altitude. By the way, there's a, a video at your website, CaraRichardsonWhiteley.com. Uh, compilation that's it's about eight minutes or so uh, and it does it does seem like you're in pain for, for part of that I guess as a person would be yeah yeah it's I mean it's hard it's hard it's hard for fit people to do I mean hiking and being on your feet for 10 hours um, or 15 hours like you do on summit night it's 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 grueling and and to do it with less oxygen to work with it's it's especially taxing and so it takes everything that you have to make that next step so um yeah it, it's I, i'm i'm not going to lie i i i was sore mm-hmm. <laughs> but so was sally mm-hmm. right <laughs> the little one yeah so uh, and and then there's there's a scene where you get to the top there's a sign there right you put your hand on the sign and you, you lower your head it's a lot of relief what what are your feelings at that point Oh, definitely. Uh, I, when I reached Gilman's Point, it was definitely a moment of tears because, again, I had gone through so much and, and thought about so much when I was on the mountain. So it was it was a real emotional release to be at that sign and to know that I was the person in control of my journey, of my destiny moving forward. I mean, it you know, and also just real gratitude for the journey. Um, you know, it, it was not easy. Doing it with extra weight on my body made it especially hard. But I was so grateful that I took it and that I was willing to work through the difficult parts to get to where I was. In your epilogue, you, this just a couple of lines. You say, my path since my final trek up Mount Kilimanjaro hasn't been perfect, but I feel like I'm in a better place. There are fewer binges. There is more beauty. That's interesting to it. So that self-image, that's, that's so important. You're talking about self-image? Well, yes and no. Uh, to me, there is more beauty uh, means that I'm able to take in the good. Oh, I see. Take mm-hmm. in, take in the, the, you know, appreciate the little moments in life. Because when, um, when I was deep into compulsive overeating, I overrided all of that stuff. And so even as a, as a mom of, like, a new baby, I would hear crying, but I wouldn't always appreciate the beauty and the wonder of a new child. I mean, it wasn't that 
black and white, but you know, it was certainly was I didn't I didn't take as much time to to notice. Oh gosh, I'm up and there's the sun the sunrise, you know. And um let me breathe in this air that is so wonderful or let's take some time to enjoy this delicious, healthy um food or even enjoy food that is a little um decadent because when I was gorging I didn't appreciate any of it. I didn't appreciate really any food that went through my mouth. I almost didn't taste it. Hmm. And so now I really try to take in the beauty of life more. Um, and I, and for that, I do feel like I'm a more beautiful person, but it's, it's really more about experiencing and truly being present in the beauty in our lives. Just have about three or four minutes left, uh, so just final topics here. What do you suggest if someone finds themselves um, in, in a situation where they're compulsive overeater, addicted to, to food? What uh, what to do? Professional help? What, uh, what would you suggest? Yeah, I, there's certainly a lot of different uh, ways to get assistance and, and to learn. And one of the people who I've learned the most from is Janine Roth. She's the author of When Food is Love and I think Women, Food, and God or something like that. She's a great teacher, um, and that's really helped me a lot. But, yeah, I, I think that it's important to start to love where you are and go from there and that our value is not when we reach that after picture, you know, the before and after picture. Uh, we're not valuable when we reach that after picture because if we always think that, we'll never get anywhere close to it or anywhere in a positive direction. So just love where you are. Start to take gratitude and beauty from where you are at this very moment and, and, and plod your path from there, whether it's a mountain or just taking a walk around the block. You know, there, there are so many... Um, beautiful and strong things that you can do if you just start to appreciate who you are as a person and um, and what you're capable of. Also, I'd like to maybe give a little advice for uh, people who are plus size and, and want to get out there, be active. What's uh, What are some tips? Yeah, um, I think that the, the two things that have been really helpful for me is being comfortable in what I'm wearing. So I've been working with a company by the name of Juno Active, and that's for women's um, plus-size active wear. And so, for example, I just got this really great swimsuit from them because I'm doing a lot of deep water fitness. And um, it's great because I feel much more confident. I'm actually looking the part of an adventurer or a swimmer or whatever it can be really hard to find plus-size active clothing. And then the other thing is to find um, team members who support you um, or a place where you feel comfortable exercising. And for me, that's my local YMCA. I find that they're supportive and wonderful. And I have this amazing trainer by the name of Heather Worthy who – she worked with me where I was at. You know, she <laughs> oftentimes trainers get really excited when they get an overweight mm-hmm. uh, client and they think of, you know, oh, this is going to be a great transformation story and they push them beyond where they're capable of at that moment and then they only end up sore and defeated and often don't show up again. Mm-hmm. And so um, Heather was great in the building strength from where I was and so 
through that, I was able to take on Kilimanjaro. And certainly I was sore and um, may have taken a couple ibuprofen after our <laughs> sessions together, but she really, um, she was really welcoming and a partner in my fitness, and I think that was really important to have. Finally, Yo- uh, yoga is yeah. one last yo- okay, yoga is yes. one last thing. I think that yoga is a great way to build mindfulness mm. and connection to the body. Right, well. and and low impact as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so so finally, I want to talk about the life lists, bucket lists. I think uh, many of us maybe in an idle way make a make a list and uh, perhaps don't act on it. What would you? <laughs> what could you tell us about getting out there? You've you've at least done one of them. Yeah, I, I think that um, if there's something that you want to do in life, you know, go for it. You know, of course, like I said, you shouldn't just book a trip to somewhere that's a great adventure and a, and a very strenuous physical task. You need to um, start taking the steps to do that kind of thing. And as long as you, as long as you break it down into um, a path that fits your life, then, you know, you can totally do it. We've been talking with Kara Richardson-Whiteley. She has checked at least one of those items off her bucket list, and I'm sure others will uh, will be checked off as well. The book is Gorge, My Journey Up Kilimanjaro at 300 Pounds. She's coming to Utah. The, the event is at REI Salt Lake City. That's on Thursday, May 14th from 7 to 8 p.m. And the website is kararichardsonwhitely.com. Thanks so much. Pleasure. Oh, my pleasure. And uh, hope you'll join us tomorrow for Access Utah. Thanks for listening today. When you support UPR as a sponsoring business, it makes a statement that this programming is important to you. UPR listeners appreciate our underwriters and often make a point of supporting them. For information on underwriting, please call Terry Guy at 435-797-3215. That's 435-797-3215. Thank you. Money sent from one person to another, usually back in their home country, is called a remittance. And remittances are crucial for Somalis. About one-third of our recipients said that without remittance support, they would be unable to meet their basic food needs. But what happens when the banks won't play along anymore? I'm Kai Rizdahl. That story and the numbers from Wall Street next time on Marketplace from APM. Monday night at 7 on Utah Public Radio. This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1 Logan, KUSK HD1 Vernal, KUSL HD1 Richfield, KUST HD1 Moab, KCEU Price, and KUSU FM HD1 Logan. And you're listening to Utah Public Radio. I'm Peg Arnold, joined in the studio with Terry Guy, and we were just 